Hi, Joanne. Hi, Sophie. Hi. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Welcome to our podcast. Yeah, it's my Iconic, pleasure. But iconic. Thank you so much for being a guest. Nothing right. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Uh, first of all, I just want the listeners to hear a bit about you because you're such an inspiring person. So just to give a little bit of an introduction would be great. So I'll, so I'll start off by telling you a bit about my life. If yes, that's okay. please. Yes, please. So David was born in 1955 and he was born with um, what he describes as a hardwired female brain. Um, yeah. And that was a brain in a way that would rule his life and it would be an enemy so so strong so powerful he never thought he'd be able to conquer it and to him it was, it yeah. was like a virus um and something that he he would never ever be able to cure um oh, he he basically understood in himself that there was something not quite right when he was about to see yeah. Um, and in those days, um, the word transgender wasn't in the dictionary. Um, there was no knowledge of it. Um, but mm -hmm. his mum had a dressing up box of her old clothes. And he used to spend hours um, dressing up in them and wishing he could be oh. a girl. But he couldn't go and tell his parents because it wouldn't yeah. happen. Um, of course. He hated... Um, playing boys games he hated football he didn't like climbing trees didn't like anything like that and most of his friends were girls um so he was great. he yeah. was okay at, at primary school um yeah. but problems started um probably when he went to grammar school uh he was bullied constantly um because probably realised that something wasn't right. Um, of course, he still, yeah. he, he still didn't know. Um, he was dressing all the time. He'd secretly wear his mother's clothes at home. And he remembers um, quite vividly, and he can still picture it now. Um, he was wearing some of his mum's clothes in, in bed at night, and his dad came in. And he was so severely scolded. Um, a memory that has sort of lasted forever. Um, yes, I can imagine. And yeah. it's just such a young age as well. Yeah, that's right. But he, he yeah. still didn't understand um, of course. why he was different, why he wasn't like all the other boys. And... Um, <laughs> He was, as I say, he was bullied constantly. His 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 dad moved um, work a couple of times, so he had to move schools, and he was bullied in all the schools that he went to. And he never fitted in. He never did very well with his lessons. Um, but he strove on. He was dressing all the time, um, and eventually left school. He went to work on a farm. And uh, the wife of the farmer um, found out what he was doing and in, in a way encouraged him to, to dress. Um, but he, he, he found it very difficult and, and it was always a case, and, and by that time he was early 20s, yeah. he was buying clothes on the pretense of he was buying them for somebody else. Um, but okay. but then he'd purge. You think this isn't right, and and out would come the incinerator in the garden, and he'd burn them all, thinking that that would get rid of it. Okay. But this virus was so powerful, yeah, that it would come back, but it would come back twice as strong as it was before. Of course. Yeah. And in the next year, when when he was about twenty-two, um, mm. he had a nervous breakdown <clears throat> and okay. he found himself wandering around a local forest early in the morning and he hadn't a clue where he was 
um, and ended up having a couple of weeks off work and was referred to a, a psychiatrist in Birmingham near where he was at the time. Yeah. And that psychiatrist's mm-hmm. sexual um, expertise just said, oh, don't be so daft, go and read the magazines on the top shelf. <coughs> and oh, that's... Man, that's that, that is just disgraceful. Was, I mean, that was the... But, you know, the social climate in those days was um, he couldn't open up about his feelings. Uh, yeah. In a way, I suppose he identified as a transvestite, but it was deeper than that. It was much deeper than that. Mm. He had girlfriends, but he had girlfriends more because he wanted to be like them rather than he wanted to be with them. Right. And was it more of a sort of companionship more than anything? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, he eventually uh, got married. Um, he he tried okay. to do all the macho things. Getting married was, was something that was expected of him. Yeah, and part um, of the life plan that society paves out. So he met someone, got married. <coughs> yeah. And, and he had two lovely twin boys um, mm. and life life went on he carried on doing all the macho things he he joined the fire brigade as a retained firefighter um, but didn't, didn't wow. fit in he didn't like going to the bar afterwards um, he didn't drink he, he just yeah. wasn't sociable he was very inward he kept himself to himself um, so he left the fire brigade and he joined the special constabulary and the same thing happened. And it just went on like that. And all the time he was buying clothes and dressing in secret. Yeah. But in the end, I suppose uh, I suppose he stayed in the marriage because of a, a very deep-seated love for his two boys. Yeah, of course. Also, because of a sense of guilt towards his wife. Um, But inside, he was emotionally dying. He was physically dying. He couldn't accept what he needed to accept because he'd been born male, and that's the role that he had to fill. And this went on um, and on and trying to do the macho things. Um, His wife was alcoholic, um, very domineering. Uh, Yeah, it's it's very difficult because you're trying to support her as well. That's it. And and of course, she used to get really, if I didn't go, you know, didn't go down to the off license to buy some lager or something for her. he'd just really suffer and it went on but in uh, the year 2000 she passed away Um, she passed away through um, acute uh, liver cirrhosis cirrhosis of the liver I'm so sorry passed away in hospital yeah thank you but um, in in a way it was upsetting. It was a very traumatic time of year. Yeah. Um, his mother had died um, when his oh, boys no. were born. Um, so she's been um, dead now for 36 years. Gosh. <clears throat> but after his wife died, he thought, this is it, you know. The time to be reborn. Time to re- be, bo- be reborn. Yeah. He couldn't do it. He, he of couldn't understand what he had to do to to conquer this virus, to to get rid of the yeah. hard one. There, there was no there was no support for I you. Think, to be able to if I'd have looked hard enough, there would have been support. But I was battling it. I was battling it so hard. Yeah. Um. Carrying on doing macho things, he started racing 
uh, model power boats in the British Championship to try and do wow. that was more um, macho, but even yeah. he couldn't do it. He just couldn't. He just didn't fit in with everybody else. And he used to dream of of being a woman. And um, it's it, so it, it's very difficult because, like you say, you you know that it takes is going to take great courage to break free. You're worried about the judgments as well and you know deep down you've got the courage but it's just sort of like where do you begin because it's such a massive massive step yeah. and it's so difficult to do it on your own and you'd already been through so much trauma and I know just from knowing you in the short period of time that I've known you how inspiring and just an incredible person you are inside and out but I can understand during that time you didn't know how great you were and rightly so, because you'd been through such hardships and being bullied. And being bullied, for one, is just a massive, you know, self-confidence. Well, it just it just destroys all your self-confidence in every single way. And for you to be able to, like, rebuild and get back up and just keep fighting at life is just one thing. But then to begin a, a new life in in a new body and where you felt like you should be is just another thing altogether and the courage and bravery that you've had and I mean now you just you sparkle every day and you shine in so many ways because you are so special and so many people look up to you every day and think I can do it and it's it's great yeah, yeah definitely. So the, the crunch time came in um 2014 uh, david went and sat on the edge of beachy head and he contemplated jumping he'd had enough um and he sat up there for half an hour just thinking about his life about how he could move forward and all he wanted to do was was destroy this this enemy and the only way he thought he could destroy it was by jumping okay. um but he didn't because he was pulled by two burly police officers <coughs> and taken yeah. into safety and i suppose that was the yeah. turning point so in april of 2014 um, he changed yeah. his name to Joanne, and I was reborn. Um, and do you know what? I haven't yeah. looked back. Changing from a totally inward, underconfident, um, yeah, lonely person into a woman that had the most outgoing <laughs> personality that yeah of course. it was strange i had a very good gp who put me on yeah. hormone therapy straight away um, i was eventually referred to um, a gender clinic again, in london that, that support is key as well that's a big a big important issue it, there yeah, yeah i had massive support from my gp and um, the gender clinic, although it's a long process because it's it's based on psychiatric analysis, and of course at, at that time I was yeah. um, fifty eight, and I was grilled over why I wanted to do this, <laughs> and I found it quite demeaning because yeah. let's face it, I'm fifty. Yeah. I know what I want. I don't need grilled about it but they have their yeah. policies they have protocol to be absolutely sure before they can refer somebody for gender yes. surgery which is what I wanted um, and that was actually granted to me in uh, 2017 February yeah. the 7th 2017 at half, half past 10 in the morning I remember it so clearly and <clears throat> I went into surgery um, at the Nuffield yeah. Hospital in Brighton and came out 
expecting to feel different, but I didn't. And it was strange. <laughs> and it was strange because whilst I, I knew something had happened, I didn't feel how I expected to feel. Um, and it was about five days later when um, the specialist nurse came in and took all the dressings off and she gave me a mirror and said, right, <laughs> this is your new anatomy. And I looked in the mirror and I, I'm, I'm not joking. I oh. burst into tears. I, it was euphoric <clears throat> how I felt. Um, tears were streaming down my face. And the reason was because a, a part of me that yeah. had been so alien for 58, 59, 60, Amazing. 61 years <clears throat> had gone. It had gone. And it was yeah. just an amazing feeling. And it's, it's a long and, time. We're not talking a couple of years here. We're talking, you know, like you say, like 60 years. And that that is just, it's just incredible because, well, I mean, I see you today and you're confident. You're out, like you say, you're outgoing. You're fun. Yeah. You're shy. You're inspiring. And I, I wouldn't see you any differently. You know, yeah. you're my dear friend. I love you to pieces. Yeah. And you're, you're incredible. But, you know, hearing your backstory is upsetting to me because I wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to go through all that upset at all. Yeah. And I think it's just so upsetting because I, you don't deserve it at all. No, I wouldn't want anybody to go through that these days. And that's a massive role model that, like you are today. Yes. Which is which is what I do. And now I I suppose I I fight for the rights of particularly the yeah. LGBT community. Um I fight for the rights of diversity yeah. and equality in general. After I had um before I had my surgery I joined because I have a full time business as a gardener. Um, but I joined South East Coast Ambulance Service as a community first responder, Amazing. a volunteer role. And I used to go out um, because as soon as I started my transition, that was it. There's yes. no more David. He, he'd gone. Um, so I started doing this voluntary medical work and I got fantastic support yeah. from the ambulance service for it. I became a doctor champion i kept i got a, i joined their inclusion and it's diversity amazing. hub um but i was diagnosed with a life-threatening medical condition okay. and, and this this is what we, um, we, i want to talk more about this yeah. because you've had it rough you really you really have and my heart goes out to you so much because i mean you probably want to sort of talk yes, about it more yeah. really because you've you, you have you've been through the mill and it, again, having that support around you, going through the medical um, yeah. complications you are currently going through is just insane. Yeah. Well, I have. I was diagnosed with um, an upper yeah. aortic arch aneurysm, um, which basically yeah. is life-threatening. Um, I I have to be careful about stress. I'm on blood pressure yeah. medication all the time pressure down I have tests every year for that but but that was one thing and 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 sadly that forced me to leave the yeah. ambulance service um, because they couldn't have somebody that might be treating course, a patient and then become the patient themselves but you should you know you did a lot for them and uh, I'm sure they're very very grateful for having you in the time that they did have you yeah I think so I made quite a big impact and I was very well respected um, but, um, if, you know, we're talking about my health issues, um, I've had in the last four years, uh, four major operations and I've been in hospital for minor operations another three times and in A&E because of other issues at least seven or eight times by ambulance. Um, I had 
uh, I had my it hip was, replaced. Yeah. Um, I had, I was in hospital all over Christmas, this last Christmas, and diagnosed mm-hmm. with gallstones. I've had vascular surgery on my leg. I've had inguinal hernia surgery. Um, the, well, the list just goes on. And that on brings and, about and... challenges in everyday life as well. It's not just you being treated in hospital and going home. It, it's a daily struggle for you, and I understand that. It is. Yeah. You know, particularly with the gallbladder, I've, I've, now, I've now had to change my diet. Um, you know, the things like that I really like, I can't have any more. <laughs> I should You have the occasional yeah. bar of chocolate. Um, but, I, you know, yeah. I can't eat things like red meat. I can't have chips. Can't have anything fatty or roast, you know, yeah. with, with in fat or oil. So and crisps and things like that, I'm not supposed to have. Yeah. And and cheese and you know, even even milk, I've had to change to skinny milk. And it never you know, it's not is. quite I the know. same as this, we're so lucky. There's so many alternatives out there, but like you say, it's not it's not the same as a real deal. Do you know what? Fortunately, <laughs> I have fish and chickens. So. My whole oh, life God. is spent eating fish yeah. and chicken. But, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I, I manage. I, 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 I suppose I, I look at it like, mm. like a mountain. Every mountain has a summit. And at some point, you will reach that summit. Now, for me, I reached that summit when... I had yeah. my gender surgery, and because it was such a powerful thing that had happened to when me, you sort of hit the top of the mountain. Yes, yeah. And now, um, like anything else, you can seem to, you know, you can conquer, yeah, and you've got that motivation. Um, so, so what happened after I left the ambulance service? I needed something else to fill my life, so that I could carry on promoting. Um, equality, inclusion and diversity. So I joined Sussex Police as an independent advisor, voluntary. I joined their independent stop and search scrutiny panel, which looks at the way police officers um, stop and search people and make sure they follow policy. Um, I became a member of their trans external reference group and a hate crime ambassador. I've recently joined their scrutiny panel for the 101 call centre and I trained as a Stonewall Schools role model. Yeah, which is very important and I want to touch on that in more detail. I became um, Equality, Inclusion and Diversity Advisor for the Bluebell Heritage Railway, which is fairly near to me, where I volunteer a lot anyway. I became an independent custody visitor for the Sussex Police Crime Commissioner's Office and a member of their uh, LGBT focus group, again, looking at um, uh, how uh, the police treat the LGBT side of the community and whether whether they're respected as human beings, which they should be. of course they should be, yeah. Um, I visited, um, as an independent advisor, I, I visited um, a custody block locally. And whilst oh. I was looking round, I was shown, basically, it's a, it's a sheet of paper that they give to detainees regarding their rights. And I said, there's nothing in there about transgender rights or transgender non-binary rights. I said, there should be. Uh, point, the yeah. point was raised. Um, the point was raised by the sergeant I was with to an inspector. It was escalated to the National Police Federation. And I am pleased to say that it is now policy in every custody centre in the country. That's insane. That is really great. And um, for me, that was a massive triumph. It's probably the biggest triumph yeah. I've had. Yeah. Having said that, uh, the work that I do in schools is just yeah. phenomenal. And I mean, you've talked to me about it before, the fact that you've had people come up after your talks and yeah. actually really find comfort in what you've said, yeah. which is massive. It is, yeah. You see, 
I, I look at it, you know, <clears throat> I'll share my life with, with anybody. And I, and I actually shared yeah. my um, journey through gender reassignment with local radio over, over, over oh, yeah. six interviews because I wanted people to understand what it was like. At yes. the school's role model, obviously you have to be a little bit careful what you say. And, and, of um, course. But I share my life and I do a PowerPoint presentation. I show pictures of, of me when I was young, when I was growing up, when I was married, when I had my kids, um, and how I've changed. And it, in, a, in a way, it, it inspires. And one of the things that I say, well, there's two things I say at the end of my school role model talks. The first one is be who you want to be, achieve yeah. what you want to achieve and help others to achieve what they want to, to achieve. And then I end it by saying, I found my rainbow, but there wasn't yeah. a pot of gold at the end of it. Instead, there was sackfuls of happiness. And, and yeah. that is my life now. I have never ever yeah. been so happy um, and that's just incredible really. yeah and the fact that you, you you help others in so many different ways and all walks of life and it's just incredible and inspiring and like you say you know the children that you talk to about this it's not it's not necessarily about like your story in general i mean that's in, inspiring but it's it's a proof that they don't have to follow plan yeah. a plan a isn't the you know be all end no, all we have we have plan d's sometimes plan e's uh, they, they they've just got to follow their heart yeah that's, the that's why i say be who you want to be but the thing is that the the children of today the students in schools of today are the future of tomorrow and if, if that understanding can be put into their minds their understanding that we won't yeah. get the unconscious bias that that travels usually from from peers um, about diverse groups and it's not just LGBT you know you un unconscious bias everybody has unconscious bias and yeah. it's usually passed on from peers so if for example, parents don't like transgender or they don't like um, black people or they, they don't like disability, then that's passed on to yeah. the children. And as the children grow up, they also resent it. Of course, yeah. If that can be got across, because whilst unconscious bias is in everybody, it can be um, controlled. So, so you look at somebody in the, in the street and say, yeah, okay, they're different, but they're human beings. You know, let's face it, we of are course. all human beings. We all deserve yeah. to be treated with dignity and respect as, as, any, as anybody course. would want to be. And, and I think that's what my whole life in my spare time is devoted to is, is if I can talk to anybody I, it's, it's, it's crazy because I'll sit in a sit in a coffee shop or something and start chatting to the people sitting next to me and, yeah. you know if, if I if I think that they they suspect that I might have changed my gender then I'll tell them about it yeah they understand and yeah and again that that's another massive thing you know the shift within society that we are now going through thanks you know to the likes of yourselves that people are becoming more open more understanding are you know freely talking about it and the judgments are sort of melting away which helps you know gain support and you know we should all be cheerleaders of each other regardless yeah. of anything else yeah definitely and and you know, there's, there's LGBT issues crop up all the time. Of course. Usually in, in stages, you get a month or two or three weeks when LGBT issues are, are 
absolutely rife in social media and then you'll get a break um you know recently i've i've been phoned up by radio stations half a dozen times to talk about different lgbt issues uh, for example um a local clothing store um had introduced gender neutral changing facilities and what were my thoughts on that <laughs> and i thought well yeah. do you know what i think this should be all free and they yeah. say why is that and i said well when i was in the early stages of my transition i felt that i couldn't use female changing rooms if i wanted to buy clothes and the reason was i didn't want biological women to think that i was invading their space Nice. Their privacy. Yeah. So I used to take clothes home, try yeah. them on at home, take them back. Uh, yeah. And and of course you could say the same thing about um, transgender from female to male. Of course. Yeah. So so yes, there should be gender neutral. Yeah. At the same time, it shouldn't be at the detriment of um, female changing rooms and male changing rooms. Mm -hmm. But it's, again, it's about it's about making people feel more yeah, comfortable in their skin. have to feel comfortable and um uh, of course now i i don't there's nothing nothing to it I get, you know, yes. i've got yeah. a new birth certificate so my birth certificate says girl on it so yeah. you know and, and that's my life you know yeah. um no i think it's it's truly inspiring and like we say the level of support that you've received is incredible and the courage that you've shown throughout is incredible as well but also the you know the work that you've gone into and do every day now you know it, it is just so inspiring and so many people look up to you and find comfort and think no I can break away from the norm I don't need to follow society or plan a you know I'm not going to face judgment for being different or feeling like I'm the black sheep yeah people shouldn't feel like you know well they have to settle or they feel unhappy and that's the way yeah. it's going to be yeah definitely you know I've I've had people say to me do you have any regrets and I say well yes I do have regrets and the biggest regret is that I didn't do this years ago yeah, but and in a way I've been I'm one of the lucky lucky people that has been privileged to live two lives um whilst whilst david isn't around anymore it was um david david's personality life experiences yeah. that that shaped the person that i am now but yeah. they, they were hidden personalities they never came out um and i i look at pictures regularly of of myself before and, and and pictures of me through my transition and i mean you've we we've met yes um, and i just cannot believe how i've changed i know it, but it's just inspiring i can't you know it is it is incredible it really really is you know, I use social media a lot. I put pictures on Facebook, but that's my story. But by doing that, I'm encouraging Others other people to do the same. to be and, yes. and, and go and, and don't worry about what people think. I was lucky because I had the support. And I was also lucky because I live in Brighton. That, and Brighton's a very diverse city. Yeah. So I, I never really got any... Um, judgment and harsh judgment from other people i didn't yeah. get you know ooh, or have transphobic slurs made at me it didn't happen and, um, and part of the reason for that was because i was so confident yes in, in the way i was um and the fact that i'm five foot eleven and <laughs> tall it's okay so it's good I'm, to be tall i'm a tall woman it is a, it, well it, it is sometimes yeah yeah I'm <laughs> not, bit, yeah i'd love to be a bit right. taller than i am i can't i can't wear high heels because i get vertigo <laughs> oh no um 
The only time I did get a bad time was when I received death threats, but that was death threats from somebody that was involved with something else, me having me having given them support over something. And that to me, that is just it's just truly upsetting. And I know that we take it personally when other people are harsh or they put their two cents in. Yeah. But it's it's actually on them that's the problem, not us. And it's very difficult for us to get out of that mind, you know, that negative frame of mind that yes. it's us, yes. we should feel guilty. And it's not, yes. it's on them. Yes, yes. It is, yeah. But and this is what I say, you you know, for me it's all about you know, I have a bad day. We all have bad days. Yes. Um, but for me it's all about, well, okay, today's a bad day, but tomorrow's gonna be a good day. And yeah. You know, I wake up every morning and the first thing I think is I'm alive. Yeah. And that's, and that's all that matters to me. Um, and I can, you know, I, I live on to, to fight another day. And, Definitely. Um, and that's, I suppose, my whole focus now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got an amazing support system within your work yeah. life, within your friendship life, your family life. Yeah. And that, that is just massive. I mean, my kids were both fine with it when I t when I told told my kids yeah. that it was happening. They were fine. Mum had already died. Dad was alive. He he'd remarried, so I had a a stepmum. Right. Um, so when I told him, he said, "Well, I understand, but you'll always be David, and you'll always be my son." Well, okay, mm -hmm. but he was he was in his eighties. Um, yeah. Sadly, he died uh, three years ago. Oh. My stepmom has found it really hard to accept, but my two boys have been marvellous. And and that means the world, because like, like you said before, they were the, your world and meant the world they to you. Were, so. no, one's in New Zealand, he emigrated to New Zealand, wow. um, but the other one still lives locally. And just after my gender surgery, when I was recovering at home, he came round to see me and oh. he said... Is it okay if I call you mum now? Oh, that's lovely. And do you know what? He, <clears throat> I, I, I mean, that was tears again as yes, well. Yes, of course. He me this most beautifully worded Mother's Day card that, oh. I, that I've still got. And, you know, <clears throat> he's got his own problems. Um, yeah. And, but he's amazing and he, he buys me these little things every now and again that mean the absolute world to me. Yeah. Um, my stepmum's coming round. I'm going to go down and see her probably towards the end of April, but she'll be in for a shock because she hasn't seen, I haven't seen her since dad died. Wow. So she, she probably won't recognise me. No, um, but that'll be good because, again, we, that'll just prove how strong you are. But we talk on the phone every week, yeah. so we still keep in touch. <clears throat> yeah. And my other son in New Zealand, bless him, I've got two grandchildren out there that I've never wow. seen. Um, I'm not sure how he, 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 he accepts it, and he's absolutely fine with it. Whether, whether, I don't think he'd ever call me mum, but okay. that's him, <clears throat> you yeah. know. Um, yeah. But everyone, Christopher, everyone sees it and, you know, and deals with yeah. it in their own way, and it's great that you're open and understanding but about they, that. Yeah, but they were both so happy for me, you know. And both said, well, if that's what you've got to do, then you do it, and good yeah. luck. Yeah. And, you know, we'll give you the support. But it wasn't just the support from from my family. It was support from my friends. I mean, I had a few friends then, but, you know, I've got hundreds now. Yeah. I wouldn't dream. You know, when I, when I was David, it was... You know, I might have one or two people that I knew, one or two acquaintances, but I've got friends all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, people I love, people that love me. Yeah. And I've ended up in a situation where I'm so highly respected in the community um, that it's almost overwhelming. Yes. And, but it's nice at the same time. It's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It really it's, is. 
you know, I had, I, I was shopping today and, and um, I'd gone through the checkout in the local super, supermarket and the checkout operator said, I know you from somewhere. Oh. What's your name? I said, Joanne. She said, you're not Joanne Monk, are you? I said, yeah. I said, oh, I've heard you on the radio. You're inspiring. Oh, oh that's amazing. That's lovely. And I get that all the time. Yeah. Oh, I you bet know. you do. I bet you do, because you're a mini celebrity now, you know. You know, so, well, <laughs> I wouldn't say. <laughs> you'll, you'll be needing a personal assistant soon. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably need an agent. If I keep doing radio interviews, I'll probably need an agent to make sure <laughs> I get the right money for it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love it. I, I just love my life. And after, yeah. after I did my um, final interview with Radio Sussex during my transition, uh, which I went into the studios to do a month after my surgery, having already done three, because uh, what happened on, on New Year's Day of 2017, local radio, um, am I allowed to say them? Of course. Right. It was BBC Radio Sussex and the presenter was Danny Pike. And he was doing a programme on New Year's Day 2017. Okay. And he, he said um, he'd like people to phone in if they were doing something different in 2017 that wasn't a new year's resolution so he said it might be starting a new job or right or you know going on a big holiday somewhere yeah and i thought shall i ring them up and i thought about it for about 10 minutes do i want to do this and but 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 i want to share my life with people to help them understand so i rang them up and the producer answered the phone and I said, hi, my name's Joanne. And and um, I gather Danny wants people to tell them about things that are happening. Oh, yes, what's happening to you? So I said, I'm having gender surgery in five weeks time. Oh, and wow. I, thought, I thought she'd put the phone down because it just went quiet. Oh. <laughs> she came back. She said, really? That is so big. Do you want to share that? And I said, yes, because that's what I do. She said, well, yeah. look, we won't put you on now. We'll phone you back. Yeah. Because if, if we put it on now, nobody else will phone in because it's so big. <laughs> that, so they Danny rang you back. Rang back to listen to my story, to, you know, and, and he, yeah. was lovely. He, he, he was totally intrigued by the whole thing. I bet. And he questioned me about my life before, what it felt like, um, all sorts of things and how I felt now and, and what I was anticipating from the surgery and how it would change my life. And at the end of the interview, he said, is it okay if we follow your story? So I said, yeah, fine. Yeah. I'm coming back with that. So he came round to my house. Wow. And he did, he recorded two separate 20-minute interviews at home. We had a cup of tea and I'd made a cake. And so he recorded two more interviews and he put one out on the day of my surgery. Uh, no, he put one out on the day I went into hospital. And then he put the other one out on the day of my surgery at exactly the same time that I went into theatre. And it was so ironic. Yeah. Uh, and I listened to that on catch up afterwards and apparently people had been phoning in after it and saying, you know, wow, Joanne, she's so brave. It's totally inspiring to hear this. Oh, it's fab. And then I went into the studio for another interview with Danny about a month after my surgery. And, and that was basically life on the other side. Oh, wow discussed everything again and how I yeah. felt and um, I left the interview and he put on a record and it was Robbie Williams Love My Life. Oh. Now if you've ever heard that I don't know whether you know that record yeah. but yeah. it was all about um, being powerful being beautiful, being, yeah. you know, I'm free, being... Comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, yeah. 
magical. I am me. Yeah. And, and and that's what it is. And I had a phone call from them uh, in a year later, just bef- just uh, just before a year was up from my surgery. Would I go back in again and tell and talk to them about what life's like a year on? Oh, that's great. And and, um, and so I did. And and of course, I've been contacted loads of times now to talk about LGBT issues. Uh, yeah. But that's support for me because that was support from local media. But by getting that support from local media, I was able to get out of that. And you, it gave you the confidence. Yeah, it, gave, it, it was able, it enabled me to put out a very powerful message that it's okay to be different. <clears throat> yes. And people understand and and that's what that's what we what what i fight for if i can if i can make one person every day smile or one person one more person understand what it's like to be different to be born into the wrong body to go through the mental health issues the the fear of suicide it's one more person that understands and accepts and Exactly. And that's what I do. And thank you so much for telling the story again today because I I do realise how much courage and strength it takes and how hard it can be at times. And you tell it so well and it's so inspiring. And you know, I think the world is amazing. Um, But but to finish, do you have any sort of hints and tips and tricks for anybody out there? Tips and tricks. Well, I suppose. there's, there's, first of all, there's a lot of support groups. Um, there's a lot of support organisations, there's a lot of charities, um, for example. Um, for younger children, there's Mermaids. There's a charity called Mermaids that gives support to transgender children and their families. Um, there's a local one down here called All Sorts that do the same thing. There's a number of yeah. different organisations that offer support um gyres um gps are generally more understanding these and will give you the support that you need but the end of the day it's down to the individual it's down to the individual to say i've got to move forward with with this and my advice is understand because we don't choose to be transgender yeah so understand accept what your life is and what your life is meant to be but the key thing is to be positive about it yes and don't hide it i many people that that struggle with something called dysphoria where they were wondering whether they do the right thing they can't go out (laughs) and they they keep hiding it and of course the trouble with dysphoria is it it just it enhances the mental health problems. Yeah. So if they can be positive, say, this is me, this is who I am, this is my life, and this is the way I want to be. Yes, you might lose friends, you might lose family, but... You gain so many in the process as well. Have to, you have to decide what's more important to you. Is it more important for you to be who you really are or is it more important to keep your family being miserable or your friends and being miserable you know I I I was lucky I didn't lose (laughs) I didn't lose any friends I gained friends I didn't lose family um but people do lose yeah relationship It, it can be very difficult for example for for um a male to female transgender person who's in a marriage with a biological woman, it can be very difficult for that woman to accept what's happening. And that can can cause breakdown. But I have seen many, many occasions where um, they're still together and they're still together because the wife gives the support that they want. It's not the same. But it's it's all about love. Of course. 
and like you say you know the support you yourself have had and a lot of people going through the same sort of thing now is great you know through social media through the media in general in society it's just another level and we just have to have the courage to you know be brave enough to tell our stories and feel comfortable in our skin feel more at peace that's right yeah and like, if we and like you say we do lose friends but are they really friends if they walk away yeah that's it a friend is a friend is a friend for life and always yes. support you through hardship the good times the bad times and those are the friends that you want. You don't want a friend that's that's there for one thing and not for something else. Exactly. <laughs> um, yes. And and that that means a lot. And yeah. It really does. I say I've been lucky because I've I've got friends now that I never had before and they're, and they're absolutely amazing, every single one of them. And and you, and um I I'd like to say that Sophie, you're at the top of that list. Because you, oh, thank you, you. Are absolutely amazing. Oh, how you, thank you. So are you. Well, <laughs> it's it's about how you cope with your own life, and you know I find it so inspiring. But I, it, it almost breaks my heart sometimes to see how you are and 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 realise oh, one day you. you're not you're not feeling so good. And I just want to travel up to to Lancashire and give you a big cup oh. and drive back again you know but yeah but that's it that's great and you know I see you as a dear friend as well I think the world of you and that's why I wanted to interview you today because I do see you as like so inspiring and an amazing role model and for all you have achieved and the giving back that you do which I think is very important to raise there because you do so much for other people it just shows you know what a heart of gold you really do have Oh, you're it's great. No, you really are, and I'm so thankful. Myself in a minute. Oh, <laughs> no, but I, I'm, you know, I'm so thankful for you, you know, sharing your story today, and I'm sure all the listeners will be just amazed. Really, is is the word that I'd like to use because they'd find you inspiring, but also I think it'll take people aback a little bit and get them to reassess their life and think actually you know, I need to be doing this to make me happier or I shouldn't be grieving over people that have walked out my life. I should be focusing on the good. And that's what we want, you know, people to look around, see their cheerleaders, see the level of support they have and find the courage to live the life they deserve. And that's it what really it's all is. about. It really is. It's been my... No. absolute pleasure to share share my story and you know if it helps somebody else then yes that's brilliant. and thank you so so much and we'll probably have to have you on again because like you say it's such a big topic and you're so knowledgeable and you're so inspiring and you know just thank you so much well i'd be more than happy thank to come you. on again and thank you so much for inviting you know, me you're to very come welcome on today and i'm very honored to have you as a guest thank you so much Thank you so much